Uh, today's scripture is from Luke uh, 6, verses 17 to 26, uh, sometimes called the Sermon on the Plain. Although it probably wasn't a plain, it was probably a flat place on the way down from the mountain, but just so you know. Jesus came down with them and stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea, Jerusalem, and the coast of Tyre and Sidon. They had come to hear him and be healed of their diseases. Those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured, and all in the crowd were trying to touch him, for power came out from him and healed all of them. Then he looked up at his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, or you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you, revile you, and defame you on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice on that day and leap for joy, for surely your reward is great in heaven, for that is what their ancestors did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who are laughing now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all speak well of you, for that is what their ancestors did to the false prophets. These are our sacred stories. Jesus looked up at his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, and when they exclude you, revile you, and defame you on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice on that day and leap for joy, for surely your reward is great in heaven. For that is what their ancestors did to the prophets. Woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who are laughing now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all speak well of you, for that is what their ancestors did to the false prophets. They weren't listening. They weren't. They heard blessed and they put it on their tunics and their coffee cups. They made bumper stickers for their donkeys. They weren't listening and Jesus, in a move familiar to any reader of the Gospels, Jesus is turning the world upside down. And the disciples, in a move equally familiar, are missing it. If you can afford the overpriced coffee or the donkey, blessed is not the category Jesus would put you in. I don't see amazing restaurant, I'm stuffed, hashtag cursed, or hysterical comedy show, never laughed so hard, hashtag woe, 
making it on Twitter. I cannot imagine a preacher on world tour explaining that everyone rich enough to buy a ticket is cursed, that they've received their consolation, or that same preacher rejecting praise by saying, no, no, don't say nice things about me. That puts me in the category of woe. They weren't listening. I don't want to listen either because the status quo benefits me. The systems of power make my life on the whole easier. Professor Mark Davies in Resisting the Hand of the Empire writes, those who wish to follow the way of Jesus rather than the religion of the empire need a reminder that following Jesus is better done in the catacombs rather than cathedrals, in the barrios rather than basilicas, in the streets rather than status-seeking institutions, in the turning over of tables of injustice rather than in taking up seats around them, and the resistance to empires rather than in their maintenance. He continues, if Christians are not proclaiming liberation of the poor and oppressed with our words and our actions, we simply are not following Jesus, but rather we are following some corrupt copy hoisted upon us by the very people and systems that Jesus rebuked and sought to transform. Jesus rebuked and sought to transform systems of injustice. He reserved his strongest criticism for those in power, for those who use their power to oppress. Those like today's church, who as a whole has participated in and even led in violence against the marginalized, against women, LGBTQAI plus people, people of color, not just the church of today, but the church for centuries. Surely Jesus would condemn, for example, latent hypocrisy that calls LGBTQ plus A plus people sinners while willfully doing nothing to stop known sexual predators in their midst. Following Jesus means rejecting the abuse of the powerful. It means protecting the vulnerable. The church has for so long now been part of systemic exploitation. For too long, we have been responsible for perpetuating generations of abuse, patriarchy, and mistreatment. How we tell our sacred stories influences how we perceive God and how we treat others. When religion is used to protect the people in power rather than to empower the oppressed, we all have a problem. When power is more important than people, we all have a problem and we have a problem. 
Much of Christianity has been manipulated into a religion that supports the dominant culture rather than resisting it. When Christianity is used to support violence, when it ceases to be a religion of the oppressed and becomes instead the religion of the oppressor, when it becomes not simply complicit, but actively part of a culture that teaches fear and distrust, when words of hate are hurled in the name of Christ, we are no longer practicing Christianity. Jesus turned the systems of power and oppression upside down in his day. And he challenges us to do the same in ours. Sojourner Truth knew this well. In 1851, she said, that little man back there, he says women can't have as much rights as men because Christ wasn't a woman. Where did your Christ come from? Where did your Christ come from? From God and a woman. Man had nothing to do with him. If the first woman God ever made was strong enough to turn the world upside down all alone, imagine what these women together ought to be able to do to turn it right back again. what we might be able to do to get it right side back up again. Together, all of us, men and women and gender fluid folks, and all of us together, we ought to be able to turn the world such that the oppressed are filled with good things and the maligned are given the best places at the table and the poor are treated with honor and respect. We can turn the world around. We can. If only we'll work together. If only we'll pay attention. If only we will listen. The status quo, the powerful, our fear, our apathy, our dislike of change, these are all committed to keeping the world the way it is, to preventing the revolution from happening, to keeping us sleepwalking through our lives. But friends, Jesus tells the disciples then and now we have the opposite priorities of the empire. We who dare to follow Jesus, we have the opposite priorities of the empire. This realm that we're creating with God, this realm is not about making the rich more comfortable. It's not about keeping the powerful enthroned. But we're not listening. We're not listening because it's hard and it means change. It's hard to be wrong. It's hard to be part of the problem and make no mistake, we are part of the problem. Now listen to me, listen. We are part of the problem. We are also part of the solution. We can turn the world around. We can change things. We are part of solutions. We can turn our curse, our woes, 
into work. We can turn our systems of injustice into systems of mercy and justice and peace. We do it by voting. We do it by having uncomfortable conversations. We do it by sharing our resources and making choices with our money that support change rather than the status quo. We do it by being anti-racist. We are followers of the way of Jesus. And the way of Jesus transvalues empire values. It turns oppressive power structures upside down. Does this mean that there's no hope for the rich or the admired? I don't think so. The heading for this section in my Bible says blessings and woes and the two things go together. After all, Jesus says in the Gospel of Matthew in the Sermon on the Mount, God makes the sun to rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. So surely these words of blessing and woe are meant to be challenges, meant to make us listen, meant to get our attention, and then to call us to act, to repent, to turn things around. Our lives are complicated. They're too complicated for either or. When we find ourselves in need or grieving or left out, Jesus brings us words of blessing and encouragement. And when we find ourselves in prosperity or satisfaction or privilege, Jesus brings us words of challenge, exhorting us to share with our neighbors and with all of creation, exhorting us to change. These aren't two separate ideas. They're two sides of the same gospel, the gospel of good news. Let anyone with ears listen. We're invited this day to remember Jesus, to remember that rabbi who challenges the status quo. We'll share in communion outside, and I ask the deacons to come now and take the elements out and get things ready for us. In just a minute, we'll head outside. You can go to either side of the church house, to the labyrinth side or the garden side. Their deacons will greet you. They will have crackers. They're gluten-free and vegan, so you can all have the same cracker. They'll have wine, and they'll have water, and they'll have love, and they'll have a place for you. Because communion and covenant is always open to everyone here. Everyone is welcome. So as we share in communion this day, may we reflect on what we need to hear, how we need to listen. Where do we need to be comforted and where do we need to be challenged? Amen. Let's go outside and have communion.